If you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Psalm uh, 96. That's where we're going to be picking it up here this morning as we continue in worship. We're in Psalm 96 and we are, we just really just need to kind of jump in and, and hit the ground running. So if you would, would you stand with me as we uh, look to the Lord and His Word to us as we set our hearts today to hear from the Lord our God in His Word to us this morning. This is Psalm 96, starting there in verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this time here today. We thank You for Your Word to us this morning. Lord, we pray that, we pray that You would speak to us in these next moments. Lord, we don't take that for granted. We need You to give us ears to hear. We need You to give us eyes to see. We need You to awaken our souls so that we might receive this Word. And so we ask You to do that for us, what only You can do. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, every, every Sunday morning, uh, for me and for our elders, for those who are called to shepherd the flock of God that is in our midst, every Sunday morning begins with two uh, sort of foundational principles. They're, they're what I, we might call them like an axiom. So they're these self-evident, undeniable uh, truths that really fr- it really frames everything that we do, everything that we do. The, the first is, here's the first of the two, is that this is where we are meant to be. And by we, we mean us specifically, me, the other officers of this church. This is where we are meant to be. It's that above all else, every, every game that's happening, every activity that's taking place, every option that's available, whatever else is going on, this, okay, this, this place with all of its, with all of its uh, little idiosyncrasies, our awesome driveway and our ridiculous parking lot and our still yet unpainted building, um, that this, engaged in the service of worship, is where we are meant to be. The second principle 
and I say this without hesitation, is that this is where you're meant to be. For those who call themselves members, for those who've been joined in covenant with this local church, specifically, and and for those who are members of the body of Christ, for those who have trusted in Christ alone for their eternal life, this is where you're meant to be. And and listen, because, because we live here on the ground with you, we realize that there are complications in that. Like we need to we need to realize that. And in a in a fractured from the fall world, there will be times when being physically present uh, won't be possible. There will be sickness, right? There will be there will be those. It seems like every human being that I know has had some version of the flu over the last couple of months. I, I think we're batting a thousand at this point or COVID or whatever it is right now that's going on there. There will be family issues. There, there are family mem- like there are family members who are going to need, who are shut in, who are going to need our care. And that takes us out for a season. We know that. This, this is, I promise this sermon is not going to be a drive-by like guilting on you. But the point is simply that on Sunday mornings in the chaos of life and the busyness of and the busyness of what makes up a week, all the things that are vying for your attention, this might be, I don't think about this, this might be the one time where we can walk in the absolute certainty that we are doing exactly what it is that God would have us do. That's great comfort to me. Because I'm constantly caught in the tension of, should I be here? Should I be there? I mean, y'all, this time of year, right? Like like Friday evening, there were three different things that I felt like compelled to be at. Three, everybody else experienced that type of thing? And you have to make choices and decisions. This is the one time in every week where it's like, I know exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I can walk in that. That's, that's why... Uh, it's just a glorious thought to have. Like That's a glorious thing to be able to walk in, that sort of confidence. Well, the author of Hebrews, he recognized what Jesus had done for us, taking our weakness and, and being tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And here's what Hebrews 4.16 4, tells us. that He tells us, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And, and later on, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 3.12, he says it's in Jesus that we have that we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. And, and Psalm 96, what it does is it meets us in that space. Here's, here's what it is. It's that God in His Word meets us here. He meets us in those foundational principles. Because just like all the other Psalms that we've looked at over the past few weeks, Psalm 96 at its core is a call to worship. That's what it is. It's a call to worship. But it's not just a mundane call to be in awe of God, right? It's a call to new song worship. Those are the first, those are the first words there in verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. That, that, that new song is more than a melody, right? People write new songs all the time. We just sang one that Probably half the people knew and half the people didn't know, right? We sing a new song every once in a while. We intro new songs. But it's not just a new melody. It's not just a new, it's not just a new script, right? We, we need to get this before we take too many steps down this path, right? You see, the new song isn't just new lyrics or a new rhythm. It is that, but it's, but it's more than that. Because in the Scripture, right, in the Bible, the new songs are most often found in context of a victory, and so this new song, when it says, sing to the Lord a new song, what it's talking about is a victory shout. 
and the song is loud. Look back at verse 1 again. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Verse 3 says, Declare His glory among the nations. His, His marvelous works among the peoples. You see, the new song is a song of victory. It's a, it's a triumphant shout telling of His salvation from day to day. And so unlike the empty promises of the world... What Psalm 96 does, and we, and we have to appreciate the nature and, and character of God to really get this, is it speaks to the victory of the Lord as a present reality. That's the way it talks about it, as a present reality. And listen, ever since we fell for the lie of the enemy, right? God's, God's been saving us. I mean, right there in chapter 3 of Genesis, right there where our first parents ate that fruit and broke their covenant with God, what, what, do, what do we see the Lord do in response? You ever thought about this? Like the first thing He does in response to our sin, He, he knew what had happened. He knew what they had done. Nothing's hidden from His sight. They, they had betrayed Him. They had declared their independence from Him but what does he do? Do you remember this? This is really, it's, it's a great scene there in the middle of a really terrible moment in human history. But in Genesis 3.8, it says this. It says, that, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord, uh, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, you can imagine them, they, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Do you remember this? They have eaten the fruit. They have broken fellowship with God. They've fractured all of creation. And God comes and He says, where are you? And so it's really important that we understand that the Lord, the Lord didn't call out, where are you? Because He didn't know where they were. Right? Like we know that. So He's not asking for information. And so we can know. He already knows the answer. Where are you? It's not a question that, that needs to be answered. He didn't call out, where are you? Because he wanted to know where they are. He's because he wanted them to know that he still cared about them. Where are you is to say, why aren't you here with me? The question wasn't for his sake. It was for their sake. It was a question for them. And do you remember what he did next? This is, it gets even better. It says that the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothe them. And so, so from the very beginning, from the very first moment of fracture, God cared for their hearts, right? He's reminding them that I'm here for you, even if you're not here for me. And he also cared for their, for their physical needs. He's a God who saves. He's a God who provides. This is what he does in and of himself. As a God who calls himself Father, think about that, that God chose that as a as a marker for who he is. He calls himself Father. He sees our needs as his children, and he provides. That's the whole point of the gospel, right? That God shows his love for us, and that, and that while we were still sinners, while we were still in need, while we were still running, while we were still enemies, fractured and apart from him, while we were still sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. That's what it means to bless his name. That's not like complimenting the name that some parents chose for their child. That's not what bless his name means there in, in verse 2. Bless his name is, is much more than that. We've had a whole bunch of babies here over the last couple of years, right? We, we, if, you've, if you've been around, you know it. Also, there's a whole bunch more of them coming, which is awesome. We're going to tear down more walls and we're going to, I don't know, we'll have like a stork parking or something out there. I don't know. I don't know what. I, I don't, I, 
Honestly, I'm sweating a little bit over what to do about all the babies, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We'll figure out a good way to, to take care of them and all that. We've had a bunch of babies born, and we've had all these. And one of the things for parents, like a tough thing, is what do you name this thing? Child. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they're not things. They're people. I know that. Um, what do we name it, right? That seems like such a big decision, right? What are we going to name this child? It's such a permanent thing. And we've got some great names here. I was going through the list just thinking about all the names we've got. And, and I mean, if I, if I leave one out, I'd feel bad, so I'm not going to do it. But like, like, like we have these beautiful names. Everybody comes, oh, that's a sweet name. Is that a family name? They're like, no, oh, good, just a creative name. That's cool. And like, I mean, everybody does this whole thing. And so when we hear name, that's what we think about, just, just the name. And, and, but it's more than that. His name is more. It's, it's more than Yahweh, and it's more than Jehovah. It's more than the Lord. When we talk about, like, we're not going up to Jesus. That's a great name. Like, that's not what we're doing, when we talk about his name, we're talking about his character. And we talk about the name of the Lord, we're talking about his reputation. We're talking about who he is, not what he's called. And to bless his name is to speak well of who he is. And so just look how many times, look back at this, these first three verses. Look how many times we're called as the people of God to make an outward expression we can't miss this. Like, this is not a whisper. And it's certainly not a secret, right? Three times we're told to sing. We're told to declare. We're told to tell. We're, told, we're called to bless His name. Sometimes I worry, if I can be honest with you for a minute here at the end of the year, taking inventory on, on where we are as a church, where I am in my own life. Sometimes I worry that we've cultivated a culture that's really comfortable with an in-here faith. Do you know what I mean by that? An in-here faith? Like, we're comfortable with a faith that, that, that fits in here, in this room. With these lights and these screens and these people, like we're comfortable with that. We've kind of cultivated a culture that will settle into that, and we'll just kind of remain in that space. We seem comfortable with like the hearing and receiving part of this each week. Like, in this place, again, with these people, it's safe. It's easy. We like we like our seat. And y'all laugh, but like I know where y'all are going to sit from week to week. Like it's not hard. It's like strategic eye contact happening. Like I know he's over there. Actually, you mixed it up this week. But anyway, that's a whole kind of throwing me off, honestly. The room's a little bit out of balance. Some of y'all like intentionally sit on the slope. The people on this side, y'all don't know because you've never been over here. But there's an actual slope over here. Like from one, like within three feet, it goes down like five inches. So my dad over here is just doing everything he can not to slip on out of the seat because it's possible to do that. It wouldn't even take effort if just gravity would lead you there. Y'all should all thank these people every week. They take the worst seat in the house because of you. Um, so maybe it's not that safe in here, honestly. Uh, we, we got a crooked building. Anyway, we like our seat. We like our parking spot. We like our, like, we, we, we like things how they are. We do. Even if they're bad, we like how they are. Where we can sort of come and go as we please. Like, nobody depending on us, right? Nobody counting on us. If I'm not there, it's not that big of a deal, and I want to be straight with you. That's not just contentment. That's not what that, that's not what that is. That's called complacency. 
But the worship leader in Psalm 96, so here's where the Bible comes and gets after our heart. The Psalm 96, he's not content with who's here, is he? Like, did you see that in there? Like, don't make no mistake, man. The fact that you walk in here every week is a blessing to our heart. We celebrate that. Andrew and I will high-five tomorrow morning by, can you believe people show up here? Like, we will do that, and we'll celebrate, and we'll pray, and it'll be a beautiful time. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not. Um... But the psalmist isn't content with who's here. And that's something we've got to come to terms with. He's not content with who's here right now. That's not enough in his book. Look again at verse 1. One more time. Keep going back to verse 1. We're going to get past verse 1, but here we are. What's the call? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, you few. Sing to the Lord, you people who are in the room. Sing to the Lord, you, you folks who know how to play the game of Christianity. No, I didn't say that at all. Sing to the Lord who? All the earth. You see, this new song requires a choir of cosmic proportion. Anything less than that is too small for our king. Now look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. We've seen this calling to a new song. And here we see a portrait. Here's what this next part is. A portrait of our matchless God. We had a call to sing a new song. Here's a portrait of our matchless God. Look at verse 4. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I I love this section of this psalm. If I could encourage you to commit something to to memory, 4 through 6 is a good place to start. I love this section because it reminds me of a toast at a banquet. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not not a fancy person at all. So I don't get invited to many places where I'm fancy enough to be at a party where they're actually making toast. I've always dreamed, like, what would that be like? And everybody's like clanging glasses and making toast. I don't, maybe you've never been to that either. If not, we can, we can ruminate on that together later. But anyway, th- this is sort of what I imagine it would be like right here. Four, four through six is what I imagine that banquet would be like. It's like that, there's a scene in Revelation 15. You don't have to turn there, but you can maybe look at that one later. There's a scene in Revelation 15 where... It's after the beast has been conquered. That, that's what's happened. So the beast has risen up to destroy uh, the sun, and, and the beast has been trampled and destroyed. And it says that this. Here's what it says about <clears throat> those who are gathered. It says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. That They sing the song of Moses, and they sing the song of the Lamb. And I love that scene. Because the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, those are salvation songs. That's what they are. They're salvation songs. In Scripture, the song of Moses is a song of God's victory. It's a psalm. It's a song of him setting captives free. It's a song of him breaking bonds of slavery. It's a song of him redeeming his people out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's a good song. And and the song of the Lamb is the song of Christ slain for us. Him slain for us to break the bonds of 
of sin and to set the spiritual captives free. It's a song. The song of the Lamb is a song of our redemption, right? It's behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and I love this idea that as we see the victory of Christ, as we're reminded of the victory of Christ, as we're saved through the victory of Christ, it stirs up these songs in our hearts and we can't help but to raise a glass and to speak about them. I love that idea. You see, that's the new song. It's the victory cry. They say, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is the song that they sing at the, at the table as they're toasting the King. You see, that's where all of life is leading. It's leading to that moment. You may not realize that. We may not realize that. But that's where every moment of every day and all of time is leading to that moment. We're all, every single one of us, we're walking forward to the day when all the nations will come and worship you. A great multitude, right, that nobody could number from every tribe and from, sorry, from all nations, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's where this is headed. That's where we're all headed. We're all on the same train going to the same place. And so what we're doing here today, what we are doing here every single Lord's Day, is a little preview of what's to come in glory. That's what Sunday morning is. That's what worship with God's people is. It's a preview of what is to come in glory. And I don't know, it, <laughs> I hesitated to write this down, now I'm hesitating to say it, here, I know you don't always think of it that way. Like, I want to meet you in that this morning. I know that sometimes, here's what I know. I know that sometimes it's all you can do to get you and your family in the car and get here. I know that. And that feels like enough. Like, we did our part, man. We got here. And if that's you today, let me just tell you, I'm glad you're here. We are glad that you're here. If, the, if, if it took you great effort just to get in the car and to drive here, man, I'm glad you're here. Because I know it. Man, we got kids. There is an evil bone that runs through kids, right? That Sunday mornings, it's just like we are going to ruin this day. It's like they had a conference on Saturday night. You're like, check this out. I got an idea. We know that. We're not, we don't walk on some sort of different earth than you do. I get that. Let me tell you this piece too, because I, I don't want to let you off the hook. We also miss you when you're not here. Can I say that without you feeling, man, that guy's really trying to, trying to make me feel guilty. I'm not. We miss you when you're not here. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. We keep coming back to this. Back during football season, one of my kids, he, he, uh, he broke his arm. And uh, that's rough, man. You know, you're a kid, you broke your arm. And it was funny, the train, it's funny, sorry, the, <laughs> The trainer said, can you move your fingers? And he was like, no. Well, try. I am. That's what it's like when we're missing a member of the body. You see, when this part of the arm's gone, this part don't work. 
And I hate to tell you this, but that's exactly the way God... I don't hate to tell you this. I love to tell you this. That's exactly the way God designed it to work. That we're meant to be that one another with each other that when one of us is missing, man, that hand doesn't work. That finger doesn't work. That head doesn't work. Something is wrong. We miss you. I know that sometimes what you see and witness here can be a little underwhelming. I know that. This is confession time. I know it can be a little underwhelming, but it's all meant to. Here's what everything that we do here is meant to point us to. Every moment, every element in this service is meant to point us to the greatness and glory and majesty of our matchless God and never to the people who are up here. And so I want to press in just a little. Like I want us to try to recapture what it is that we're doing here right now because it's so, so easy for us to lose sight of it. It's easy to and even tempting to put ourselves at the center here this morning. That's my temptation. That's you. And I know, and listen, that's our temptation to put ourselves at the center. And, and, and then it's, and, and what happens is then it's about what I need. It's about what I want. It's about what I prefer. It's so easy to drift into that. And it's sort of our natural lane that we roll in. It's about what's good for me. So sing this song. Tell that story. Give me what I want. And we end up being the reason, we end up being the reason that we're here. But you see, that's, if I can just tell you this in love, we're not here for you. I'm not. I did not wake up this morning for you. The people who are up here, the folks who are serving, and they didn't wake up here this morning for you, and neither did you. You woke up for the king, whether you realize it or not. You see, I'm not here for me. The folks up front, they aren't stars of the show. No, the Lord is the reason that we sing. And maybe you've wondered about that. Why, why, why do we sing? Doesn't it feel weird sometimes? You ever thought about that? And like all of a sudden, there's like some guy praying, and then you're like, hey, let's sing. That don't happen anywhere else in life. No, if you tried that at work, like after a meeting, guys, hey, as we're walking out, let's, we're going to sing the doxology. <laughs> Try, I honestly tried it at work and record it, and we'll upload that. It'll be great. Um, and you're going to get questions after Christmas. They'll wait till after Christmas, but they'll ask. Why do we... Why do we put words on screens? Like, why do we put people up here with musical instruments? Why do we have microphones? Like, why do we hang speakers on the wall? That's weird. I promise you it's not just pragmatics. It's not. It's not because that's what everybody else is doing. I can promise you that. Ask any of our leaders and they'll tell you that I am too cheap for that approach. You know why we do this? It's because worship, biblical worship, is meant to be loud and God's people have grown too quiet. And so here it is. You are part of today a great cosmic trailer for the feature that is to come. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I mean that we're the little preview of the feature film that God is going to show in the new heavens and the new earth. We're the opening act this morning for what is to come. And one of the foundational principles that we operate out of is this reality that you and I are not enough. It's that the Lord who saves, our Savior who has redeemed us from our sin, who has lived the life that we cannot, who has died the death that we deserve, 
in our place, Jesus, right, the one who knew no sin, becoming sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, we operate out of this reality that he is worthy of more than we alone can give. That's why it's, that's why it's been said that worship, this is what I think it was John Piper said this, that worship is the fuel of mission. Sometimes the church, we love, to, we love to flip that thing. We make mission everything. We're going to go here and we don't, do th- we don't actually worship. We just become project managers for, for gospel ministry. God's about our worship. Worship is what motivates us to carry the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And just look at the call. Like Look at the message. It's there in verse 7. Right there in verse 7, he says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Look at 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. (laughs) You see, we still have a tendency to make too little of God. Like We underestimate who He is. And what he has done. More than that, we underestimate what it is that he's doing right now. Like, do you ever stop and think how it is that all of this just keeps working? I'm not talking about the sound equipment. I'm not talking about the Wi-Fi network, all right? Neither of which I understand on any level. I'm not talking about the lights in the building. When I say, how does all of this keep working? I'm not talking about the lights in the building. I actually do know how that works. I'm not talking about uh, the traffic lights that somehow know when to be red and green, right? Like, that's weird. My son asked me that the other day. I had no answer for him. And yet, I just blindly do what they tell me to do. I'm not talking about that. When we ever stop to think about how all of this actually works, I'm talking about all of creation. Like, today exists. I know that's obvious, but think about that. Today exists. Some, some would say it's just a natural process. That's just, that's just how our galaxy works, man. That's just the system of reality. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My systems fail all the time. Like, all the time. I'm pretty sure one of our Wi-Fi networks isn't working right now. I have no idea why. We'll get to debug that thing tomorrow, too. You will. I don't know how it works. We pay a small fortune for all of our systems. Systems designed by the smartest people on the planet. Systems that we count on for almost every moment of our daily lives. And even in that, even with all of our systems, even with all of our wisdom, the car breaks down, the network fails, and the toilet clogs. And so I'm just not sure that I trust that nature just gets it right on its own all the time. And yet today, this morning, the sun showed back up, didn't it? It went away for a while, it does that. <laughs> went away for a while, but then there, it went to sleep, and then sure enough, there it is again. I love how G.K. Chesterton described this. He says, It is possible that God says every morning, do it again. To the sun, do it again. And every evening, do it again to the moon. Have you ever thought about it that way? Like, have you ever thought about something so mundane as the rising and the setting of the sun as being directly spoken each day by the voice of the one who originally spoke it into existence? Or do you see God as a disconnected 
sort of disconnected from it all, just sort of in the heavens and watching the show play out like another episode of Big Bang Theory. Chesterton goes on to say this, it may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. You see, that's different than most of us think. That is a high view of our God. And listen, it's okay to confess that we don't think. It's okay to confess that we think too little of God. He knows, right? He already knows that. He, he knows how we think. He's not confused. He's not being deceived. He knows. Like he knows that we doubt. He knows that you doubt His plans and His purposes. He knows that we doubt His glory and strength. He knows that we doubt His splendor and majesty. And so, and so we can come open-handed and open-hearted before Him in all our hurry and all our busyness, and we can remember who He is. And we can worship. What we're doing right now is the primary way that we do that. It's not the only way, but it's the primary way. It's the way that, and it's because it's the way God told us to do it. But I'm tired. I'm just too busy, man. We got a game out of town. All too often, that's the cry of our hearts. All too often, that's the testimony of our lives. That's the story we're telling. We're, we're saying that our li- with our lives, we're saying with our lives that something else is more important than our God. Rather than, look at verse 10. Rather than telling the story of our God, what are we supposed to say? Look at verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Say among the nations, what? The Lord reigns. And here's the thing. There's so much to unpack there in verse 10 that we really, like, we really need to come back and do like a six-week series just on verse 10 alone. But here's what we're declaring. This is the song that we're meant to be singing. Three simple words. The Lord reigns. We're literally being called. Okay, Our, our glorious calling. Here it is. Our glorious calling is simply to tell the truth. School doesn't reign. My career doesn't reign. My hobbies don't reign. My boyfriend doesn't reign. My girlfriend doesn't reign. I don't reign. You don't reign. And I love my wife and I love my kids, but they don't reign either. The Lord reigns. And He didn't just reign in the past. And He doesn't just reign in the present. But the promise of Psalm 96 is that he reigns, he reigns in the future as well. He reigns in the future as well. This isn't his term of office. He reigns forever. And a day is coming where he will judge the peoples with equity. That's what it says. Okay, so today, today isn't all you have. It's not. Even if today is your last day, breathing in through those lungs... And having that heart beating in your chest, even if today is that last day, today is not all that you have. The promise of God is that a day is coming when He is going to step back into the story of creation again and He is going to make everything right. And here's the response. This is what we look forward to is verse 11. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Do you see what's happening in this? Like it's building, isn't it? 
It's building, it's growing stronger. The praise and the worship of God is expanding beyond what we can even imagine. He says, let the field exult and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord. For he came, for he, for, sorry, for he come, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That's the gospel right there. All of creation is singing the gospel. He will judge the world in righteousness. That is going to happen. Some of us need to be reminded here that, that there's a day coming when the creator of the heavens and the earth is going to judge the earth. And apart from Jesus, that is very bad news. That's truly more than we can bear. But here's the good news, right? Are you ready for this? Here's the good news. is that he will judge the people's in His faithfulness. Remember, God, here's the thing about God. God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. Like, will, will you rejoice to see that day? Are you looking forward to that day, knowing that in Christ there is no condemnation, so you have nothing to fear? That in Christ there are new mercies for each new day. Somebody said this, I can't remember who it was, they said new mercies always call for a new song. Let our worship be a testimony. Let our worship be a witness. Let our lives be a witness. This is how we show the skeptic in our midst, the majesty and greatness of our God. This is where we tell this story. Like, Don't minimize what you're doing here today. Don't make too little of it. You are part of the cosmic choir this morning singing the new song of our victorious Savior. Man, I pray we never get tired of doing that. Our calling here isn't to, be, isn't to be satisfied with who's here today. It's not. We can try to minimize, well, you know, no. Psalm 96 demands, it calls for us to tell this story outside of this place. I promise you we'll always tell it here so that you can be motivated to go and take it somewhere else. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I confess that all too often I am afraid and I am hesitant and I am I'm lazy. And so I pray that you would forgive that. But Lord, in your grace, I pray that you would ignite our hearts today. Help us to be about the story you're telling. Thank you for bringing us into this. Thank you for bringing us your salvation in Christ. Lord, may our voices never give out of singing your praise. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.